You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah. Don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick, and this is Bengals Shock Talk, brought to you by Cincy Jungle. Today, I am joined by Kyle Barber of SB Nation's Baltimore Beatdown to preview this week's matchup with the Ravens. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Excited to be on the show and uh, talking some upcoming matchup. Yeah. Now, this is a, this is a big one for the Bengals, who have, uh, haven't played anybody who's really competitive yet this season, uh, with the exception of the, of the Cleveland Browns. And they're going into a stretch now where they're playing some very talented teams, I believe, uh, 15 wins between their next five opponents uh, already at this point in the year. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the Ravens. Now, I feel like people are really quick to to try and dismiss the Ravens, and and I think it just comes back to all those people that are are sure they were right about their uh, bad Lamar draft takes, uh, and that he should have ran a 40 and been interested in playing receiver and all that junk. Uh, so, uh, you know, after the playoff loss, there were, there were people out there talking about, oh, well, the Titans found the blueprint to beat the Ravens. Uh, I broke down that game. That is, that could not be further from the truth. The Texans did nothing special defensively. Uh, so that's bogus. Now, two weeks ago, the Ravens played the Chiefs in a potential AFC championship preview. They lost that game, but personally, kept themselves in it and, and, you could see a path. Uh, you could see that there were opportunities for them that they just didn't take advantage of. So do you see them as a, as a team that is a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year and that can compete and, and knock off teams like the Chiefs? I really do believe the Ravens are capable of beating any team in the NFL. It's all about matchups, and they match up really well with just about any team outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, to be frank. That game was a culmination of Andy Reid had that circled as the matchup that he was going to open up the playbook. I mean, he must have utilized seven different styles of screens after the Ravens' blitz-heavy defense was always in pursuit of Mahomes. He made them pay for it. Uh, overall, it was a strange game that people will, like you said, point out that the Ravens may not have the the juice to go the distance, but... What really matters is is if your team is able to get a lead on the Ravens, that's where it's going to be problematic. Overall, the Ravens haven't been in too many deficits, especially during the Lamar Jackson era. I believe he's only uh, been in a deficit about five times over the course of his uh, starting career with the Ravens. And he has a record of about 24 and one at this point to any team that 
is not named the Kansas City Chiefs. He's only 0-3 to them. And I think it's uh, it's a testament to just how successful this Ravens franchise has been when they're beating everybody except for one Browns game last season in Week 4 before they went on a full winning streak through the rest of the regular season. And the only opposition that's been able to pummel them has been the Kansas City Chiefs, who are talented at beating just about everybody in the NFL. Yeah, and I'm sure another reason that Andy Reid would have that circuit on his schedule is, you know, just the the talent not only of this defense but of their defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. So this defense uh, is, is so good at making adjustments in game. They have not given up a single point in the third quarter all year long, and I mean that's uh, that, that's pretty ridiculous to to imagine. Uh, uh, you know, we're not too deep into the season, but not giving up uh, any points in the third quarter. You know, in that Kansas City game, the the Chiefs uh, found some things offensively in the first half, but you know, it was it was closed right back up in the in the second half. How how valuable uh, is Martindale to this team? And I mean, are, are you worried that this is the year that somebody's finally going to come and steal him? I was shocked, and yet. Very fortunate and happy to see both coordinators return for the Ravens last season. It's always an article on, uh, it's an annual article. We might as well have a pre-write for it that X coordinator from the Ravens has signed with Y team because it's incredibly common. Joe Flacco, I believe, had more than six offensive coordinators throughout his career. And a few of them were because they got hired elsewhere as head coaches. Gary Kubiak is uh, the most notable one from that list. And I was shocked that both Greg Roman and Don Martindale both uh, landed and returned with the Ravens last season. But yeah, I'm I'm worried a bit that this will be the last season of it. Uh, it all depends on how the season ends, though, I believe. It could be to a point where they come up short yet again, and maybe they run it back, but... Maybe, you know, a couple million dollars in a full head coaching gig elsewhere would be more than enticing enough for any coordinator to leave, I believe. So Greg Roman's, uh, you know, it's in terms of the offensive coordinator position, uh, very unique what the Ravens are, are doing offensively for the NFL. Um Borrowed heavily from uh, from Nevada, uh, and and obviously uh, run he, you know he ran the the same thing. There were some similar things with San Francisco and, and Colin Kaepernick years ago. Uh, is there somebody else on that staff? I mean, do do you think that they can promote from within if if they do lose him as offensive coordinator in the future and run the same type of offense as effectively? Uh, no name sticks out to me right away. Um, I don't know if that's because I'm just not read up enough on the internal coaching members and the staff members. I think it would be very difficult to replicate Greg Roman's offense and continue with business as usual. It would be surprising to see. Uh, I think that Roman's probably going to leave in this offseason, and if not, he will leave in the next one. And they'll need to find somebody that can, once again, incorporate... Uh, a scheme that provides benefits for a dual threat quarterback with the skills that Lamar Jackson possesses and has uh, developed under the tenure of Greg Roman. So obviously the Bengals and the Ravens are, are very familiar with each other, seeing each other twice a year. 
But uh, what's what's new this season? What's different to you uh, about the 2020 Ravens compared to years past? The greatest difference is the absence of Marshall Yonda at right guard. Yonda has been just a a, a, a cog of this machine for so ye- so many years, and he has been a main person to just be able to move the trenches. Uh, I was joking about it on a on a separate podcast the other night, saying that the Ravens had a play in their playbook called "Run Behind Seventy Three on Two. <laughs> like that's what it was, and he and and it was successful far more than it than it failed. I guarantee you that. Only against, I believe, Geno Atkins can that play ever fail because Geno was one of the very few players that just kind of had Yonda's number. And uh, and that is kind of a testament to what you said, that they're very familiar with one another as a team. And uh, that would be the greatest difference, I'd say. Uh, another one is... Uh, the running game, it's not off to 200 yards per game. It's at a formidable 160 rushing yards per game, but it's not up to that 200 and NFL breaking like we witnessed a year ago. Outside, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of that, uh, the defense still looks talented. Uh, the loss of Earl Thomas is only noticed uh, seldomly. I say just the Kansas City game was the one where everybody kind of knew that, yes, it was the right choice to let Earl Thomas go for conduct detrimental to the team. But overall, you know, you're going to miss some play on the field of a talented Hall of Fame safety and replacing him with a a young uh, backup in the name of Deshaun Elliott, who has played rather well in the role, but it's difficult to step into the shoes of Earl Thomas and make the plays necessary. Yeah, it was crazy when they when they went out and got Thomas. Uh, was it was it Weddle they had at the time? And, you know, he left and you're thinking, oh, that's going to be a problem. And they go out and, and get somebody that's even better. Um, yeah, it was it was a little strange. Um, Weddle, you could tell, was slowing down a lot, though. Uh, between him and a little bit of Tony Jefferson, they both were a little bit on the weaker side. But, yeah, grabbing somebody like the name Earl Thomas is quite a boost to any defense. I mean, going. Back to the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed days, the Ravens have always been known for great defensive play. Uh, now, certainly this this defense is, is good, uh, but do you think they're still at that elite level uh, that they've been at in years past? That's tough to say. Uh, I don't quite put them as elite in some categories, but overall I think they're one of the best defenses in the NFL. The defense is down all across the league this season. We've seen the holding calls no longer being called. Uh, we've seen offense just kind of having an explosive effect in the uh, in the strange season of 2020, but I believe they are an elite defense for this season, but I wouldn't necessarily call them elite in the scope of what Everybody, including Ravens fans, it would agree, is a defense that expects great things year after year. It could be due to the slow start. It could be due to a lack of preseason. Harbaugh takes that seriously with this team. They've been undefeated in the preseason for about four years now. It might be even five. And uh, I believe it was last 16-0 and 0 at least. So they uh, definitely try hard in the preseason. They come out the gates, tend to be swinging. So four games in, it looks like they might get their feet set finally and make the big plays. They've already done so with Marlon Humphrey, who is looking like the best cornerback in the NFL. He's forced multiple takeaways. He's just shy of having a takeaway every game. And he's been locking down receivers 
game after game. He's been a brilliant player and just got paid and uh, was worth every cent, I would argue. So in terms of the uh, the draft, the Ravens were commonly seen as having one of the best drafts of any team. Uh, started off with Patrick Queen in the first round. That was a guy who was targeted uh, by Bengals fans, at least, and, and seen as somebody that, uh, that if he was uh, able to slip to the 33rd overall selection, might be a good fit for them. Uh, but, you know, didn't didn't get there. Obviously, the, the Ravens ended up taking that pick. So uh, how how is Queen looking uh, for the Ravens so far this year? Queens looked really good outside of the KC game. I think I just have to use that as an asterisk for every single mention of any player. Uh, he He's done quite well uh, outside of getting cooked by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, he played a great game against Washington. He's done excellent in run fits. He's made some big plays. He's had a sack already. And he looks to be a good addition and a good player that's only going to develop as he... Uh, begins his career in the NFL. Um, one of the complaints, like the naysayers uh, in, in the Bengals fandom, were looking at that pick and saying that the, that the value wasn't there for a linebacker with the 33rd pick. Is that something that's, that's universal? Did, were Ravens fans feel the same way about that? Yeah, and I was uh, skeptical as well. I'm not overall thrilled that it's a middle linebacker <clears throat> as the 28 overall pick, uh, especially when you combine, I don't know if this is going to go down the road if we're going to talk about this, but J.K. Dobbins was the Ravens' second-round pick at 55, and he's a running back. And the the positional value does need to be taken into consideration, and I agree with the fans that say these are not the players that you draft and this is not the positions you draft to be successful. And it was, it, overall, the Ravens had a lot of depth and a lot of starting talent just about everywhere else. And so I think it's the right choice because they couldn't really go anywhere else with this pick. There's That's the best player available on the board, likely. And it's at a position that you need new talent. You don't have uh, C.J. Mosley anymore. You don't have Patrick Onwasu anymore. You don't have all of these players that you've helped develop as a linebacker. But the Ravens also are capable of developing just about anybody from undrafted into a Pro Bowl linebacker. And it's a little bit iffy as to whether this was the... Uh, the perfect pick, but I believe it still was a good pick regardless of the uh, positional value that kind of makes it a knock. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Well, obviously a lot of Bengals fans, also Buckeye fans, and the Ravens took two of them uh, with another linebacker, Malik Harrison, and and then J.K. Dobbins, who who you mentioned. Uh, yeah, I mean, really for running backs, draft value is a is a major conversation that people have, um, and nobody seems to have a problem with Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now, though. Is uh, is Dobbins? somebody that is going to be more involved you think as the as the season goes on to kind of earn the you know earn the respect of uh, somebody who's drafted uh, as highly as he was I sure hope so because as of right now it's been rather frustrating to hear from the front office and the coaching staff that this is a brilliant player he fits their scheme he fits their needs he they couldn't believe he was still on the board that's that was those were quotes taken from uh from Eric DaCosta after the pick they couldn't believe he was still there and yet uh looking over his numbers he had only seven rushing attempts in week one only two in week two, one against Kansas City, and only five against the Washington football team. If you're going to boast about this player being a unique prospect and this great-looking player, and he's going to make you know, great plays for this offense, uh, and he's going to learn behind Mark Ingram and get up to speed, you'd, you'd consider that he's going to nearly be a bell cow back or splitting most of the carries. But the Ravens have four running backs on a roster, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and Justice Hill. And yet the second-round draft pick is the third in line to get carries behind Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, who frankly has looked like the best of the group. Edwards has bulldozed through and has uh, some of the highest yards per carry and continues to do so year after year. He's looked like the back that the Ravens should keep and, and focus on, and he's an undrafted guy. And that's another notch for the argument of positional value is incredibly important. And you can find a running back uh, in the late rounds or even undrafted who can put up yards with a solid scheme, which the Ravens possess. Yeah, and uh, that's a that's a great example. I mean, what what better way to look at it than a, a guy named Gus Edwards? Um, you know, I, I'm sure you know, but I, I challenge any of my listeners: Where did Gus Edwards go to college? <laughs> you know, we know we we know he went undrafted. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely a little frustrating. It, you know, when you hear about running backs not getting playing time right away. The kind of default excuse, for lack of a better term, I don't know if it's really an excuse, but mm-hmm. the reason that coaches give is that, well, they're not they're not comfortable with the pass protection. But with the Ravens, you know, as a as a heavy run team, a heavy play action team, and a, and a team that a lot of their drop back passing game is out of empty. Uh, I mean, that can't be the reason he's he's buried on the depth chart, can it? It might be, but like you said, it's more of an excuse than anything else. And if you boast about him being this fast, talented player who could be a change of pace and who could make who could break off the home runs uh, and, and hit the hit the extra gear to score, why isn't he out on the field? Uh, fans every week, and uh, myself included, are growing tired of seeing. Uh, Mark Ingram being a lead back, and he's looked to hit a little bit of that 30, 30 year old wall. Uh, doesn't have that same same uh, top speed it usually does. He's not lowering the shoulder like he did week one against Miami, uh, the first 
year that he signed and, and trucked a dude on the first carry for a good gain of 40, 50 yards. It just doesn't look like he has the same explosiveness. And it could be because, like you said, this, this season's strange. There's a, a lack of preseason. There's lack of stuff. I know everybody's heard this countless times. Uh, but it's also a little bit fair to, to, to remind fans and to remind everybody of. Uh, nonetheless, this player, regardless, is heralded as their top back on the on the draft board and he's not there and i don't think these excuses are are anything but excuses so the ravens uh took a couple receivers actually in the draft uh the, the first one the one that stands out is uh, devin duvernay from texas um he was he's an interesting guy he kind of has a bit of a running back build to him so you can see him fitting into that offense in terms of, you know, reverses and pitches and things along those lines. Uh, also, obviously, had the, the kickoff return against the Chiefs that was uh, was big and, and really helped keep them in that game. Uh, but it kind of stands out to me that Baltimore's receivers tend to run on the shorter side. Uh, I recently heard that, uh, that they were seriously considering T. Higgins, who ended up with the Bengals in the first round. And, I mean, that's a very different type of receiver. Do, do you think that, uh, that they're lacking something by not having that, that bigger guy that, you know, jump ball kind of guy. I completely agree that they're missing out, uh, with some of the talent size or speed of a unique receiver capable of doing so. The Ravens have miles Boykin on the roster and a lot of fans expected that he was going to be doing so this season. He was going to take that leap and become a number two or maybe even a number three receiver uh, with Mark Andrews essentially being a, a big receiver as a tight end. And then Marquise Brown being this burner uh, cliche speedster, stretch the field guy. And uh, Miles Boykin is six foot four, 220 pounds, very similar to T. Higgins in size. And yet, uh, over these last four weeks, he has not made the, the big plays. And you don't know if it's because the ball's not going to him or if he's not getting open and the reads aren't built for him. But either way, uh, he looked to be the fault of Jackson's lone interception this season when the ball was thrown his way and he didn't get his head turned around or didn't fight for it, didn't contest for it. And that's certainly something that uh, has been mentioned a few times is instead of having uh, Patrick Queen at linebacker, you could have had an extra wide receiver because the Ravens are built to defeat teams like the tech, the Titans who beat them last season in the playoffs. They're built to compete with the Steelers and the Browns. But the team that you need to beat to get into the playoffs, well, to get into the Super Bowl, is most definitely going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you don't have the horses to run with them, somebody like T. Higgins would have been a great addition for this team because you got to be able to throw. You got to be able to throw in the NFL. This, you know, this is the modern NFL, and passing couldn't come easier. And when you have an MVP quarterback who was unanimously voted in 2019, he should be able to hit these throws, and he needs weapons to to stretch that field and not just become this grinded out run heavy offense. Yes, it's great. It won them 14 games last season, but you also need to be able to complete field and get those yardage, get the yardage through the air as well as the ground. So you mentioned Mark Andrews. Uh, they do a lot with tight ends uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in motion, uh, you know, running up the seams in the play action you know, also, you know, blockers that are that are coming around on counter plays or lead blocking. Uh, how important are our tight ends and, and specifically Andrews in this offense? 
Uh, tight ends are incredibly important. I think just in the NFL as a whole, if you have a talented tight end, you have a really great dual threat weapon as a blocker and as a receiver. Uh, Mark Andrews is one of those guys. He has four touchdowns through the season. He scored the most touchdowns of any uh, tight end last year with 10. You know, he's already on pace for 16. He's he's excellent, and the Ravens know how to utilize him. They're also so confident in him that they traded their uh, first-round pick of 2018, their first of their first-round picks, because Lamar Jackson was traded up for it, number 32 overall. But traded their first player was uh hayden hurst out of south carolina and they traded him to uh atlanta this season because they believed in him as a receiving option and they more believed in nick boyle who is a uh dominant blocking tight end who got paid a couple years ago as a as a blocker he's a, a great uh run heavy player that who's utilized heavily as an extra tackle. Uh, you mentioned the counter plays with the tight ends and, and blocking schemes. Nick Boyle is that guy. Uh, but in this scheme, especially like you said, how important are tight ends? Those are the ones that are operating most of the, of the offense, both through the passing game and the running game. They like to use them to run behind. They love to throw to the tight ends and uh, there's five touchdowns for tight ends this season receiving Nick Boyle with one. And like I said, Andrews with five or well, four. So when people talk about this offense, it is the run game. It is Lamar Jackson. You know, those are the things that, that people really, really see and that stand out. And you know, largely because it's so different than what other teams in the NFL are doing. Uh, and obviously with an athlete like, like Lamar, you can be so dominant doing those things, but they actually run quite a few empty sets and, and run a lot of their passing game out of the empty set. Uh, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that component of their offense? And, you know, does the, does the Yonda effect and, and uh, you know, that, that change the offensive line have a big impact on being able to protect the quarterback and empty. I think they're fortunate to have such a mobile quarterback, somebody of uh, unheard of, agility speed and acceleration i mean I'd, I'd argue that lamar jackson is one of a kind and unique in a in a way that mahomes even isn't able to uh to replicate and there's things that mahomes can do that no other quarterback including jackson can replicate they're two different unique players uh but as for running the empty set i like it i want to see jackson throw it i want to force a defense to kind of sit back and uh, and try and defend five wide receivers and send who they're going to send because if Jackson can't find somebody down the field, which he, he certainly searches for first and foremost, and he tries to go through every progression, uh, he's capable of carving you up out of an empty set at any point. If you push too many guys in the interior and he can swing outside and there's no contain, he can gash you. If you send the outside and he can find a lane in between the center and right guard, left guard, what, what so have you, he's also able to do that. Uh, it is a little bit of a testament that they do, well, that they are missing Yonda, that they're running some, some more empty. But I think more than anything, it's just they want to be able to pass. They have a little bit more of receiving talent than they've had in years prior, even though it's still... Uh, under development and uh, a little bit poor, I'd argue, uh, in terms of, of talent across the league. They they don't have many players that would 
start on rosters like the Cowboys or the Chiefs or any of the top or upper upper echelon teams in terms of wide receiver talent. But they're trying to get Jackson to throw more. They're trying to see what other defenses are doing to counter their passing attack. And I like the uh, I like the usage of the empty set. Yeah, and and as you mentioned with uh, Jackson back there, I mean you got to rush for and have a spy pretty much you, like you can't, mm-hmm. you can't get everybody out of there. And I mean, that's, that's five guys. So that leaves you with, with six players to cover five. So you give, you give Lamar a little bit of time and you know, somebody has got to get open when you're, uh, when you're limiting the defense by having that athletic quarterback that you have to account for. Completely agree. You have to run four. you have to rush four. you have to, you have to have a spy you have to have somebody that's incredibly cognizant of knowing at any point he's going to break loose and you got to break on the ball quickly. Just to kind of double back, you mentioned earlier about, but the, the player that Yonda had problems with was Gino. Uh, you know, that the mm-hmm. Ravens may be missing Yonda. The Bengals have been missing Gino all year. Uh, but the, the reports are, and Zach Taylor is saying that he will be playing on Sunday. So uh don't know what percentage he's going to be at, but that's good news anyway for Bengals fans to get Geno out there, especially coming into a, a game like this where they're going to need uh, a very good run stopper in the middle of their defense. So today my guest was Kyle Barber, who covers the uh, the Ravens for SB Nation. Kyle, where can people find you in your work? Yeah, follow us at Be More Beatdown on Twitter. My personal handle is at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber. You can read all of our content on BaltimoreBeatdown.com. And it is a shame that Geno Atkins didn't want to get another's weeks of rest. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see it when we believe it at this point. I know, you know last year we kept being uh, teased with uh, with AJ. So, uh, but yeah, it'd be great to hopefully get him out there and, and see him finish the game would be very positive news for, for Bengals fans that have been through some things with their, their uh, vets and their injured vets in recent years. So uh, once again, I'm Matt Minnick and this is Bengals Chalk Talk uh, brought to you by Cincy Jungle SB Nation. Make sure you are checking out the virtual tailgate pregame show on YouTube and Facebook. That's coming up at noon Eastern on uh, both of those channels for Cincy Jungle this Sunday. Well, we will see you there. We'll get you ready for the game as we as we count it down and see what the Bengals got going up against the uh, top competition in the division. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're coming for with sours. Yeah, we're coming for with sours.